0: Welcome to uh week number 3. Let's uh let's pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you uh, once again for uh the opportunity to come and to uh, look to your word and uh to see what you have to say about who we are, Lord, what we are in in sin. And Lord, I pray that as we uh understand and discover what we are in our nature, that we would see how grand and gracious uh, your salvation is toward us. So, Lord, give us minds to understand uh, hard truths. Lord, I pray that we would not be resistant to the truth. Lord, our hearts are inclined to believe lies. So, Lord, may we uh, submit ourselves to your word and be faithful in that. I ask your blessing on this day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Hey, uh, this is week number three uh, on the series on Calvinism. What it's, what's uh, what's in a Calvinist a tulip? Like I said, uh, a tulip by by any other name would smell as sweet. We talked about maybe other names, uh, doctrines of grace, um, biblical Christianity. Some people would say, I would say it's so. Welcome to the class. Uh, we're in week three. We'll be going. We have week through week eight uh, there in the last week in May. And uh, we'll go on. So, today's class, we've, uh, we talked about the first class. We gave us a short history, a summary of what brought us, where the term came from, just historical backgrounds. Uh, we talked about how this discussion goes back as early as Augustine Pelagius, and quite frankly, it goes back to Paul, it goes back to Scripture. This is not men. This is men in their nature dealing with difficult issues and wrestling with what God says about them and God's salvation. Uh, last week we looked at we looked at what I termed was the root and the stem to a blossom. Right, blossom doesn't exist in the air. It's not from some sky hook, but it is supported, it is nourished, it receives. It's sustenance from the root and the stem. We said the root and the stem of what we're looking at is God's character, God's sovereignty, His providence. And one of the things maybe I I wish I'd had time to look at, we also, is that not only is God sovereign and free, not only is He sovereign and and free to make the free decrees of a king, but He's holy. And in His holiness, He's good, and He's merciful, and He's kind, and He's compassionate and he's righteous, and he's just, and he has wrath. But there's so much other that is encompassed in his character, that God is whole, and he's unified. Okay, And that is the foundation, that is the root and the stem with which we build the rest of our understanding of his salvation of men. Okay, Last week was the good news, right? Last week, I hope we were at the end of the time. We felt, I mean, that's we should feel good. Our God reigns. Our God saves. Right? Well, this week, we're going to kind of, we're not going to flip the coin over. We're just going to kind of dig down the bottom of the bag. And we're going to look at man man and his condition. We're going to look at the depravity of man. Okay? And that's the the first point. That's the T in the tulip. Total depravity. What's in the Calvin's tulip? The first part is the T. Total depravity, or there's other words, total inability. Let's stick with total depravity for a minute. So what is total depravity? That's our question. What is total depravity? What do we mean by saying men are totally depraved? All right. Hard to see pictures, but is that a picture of total depravity? It's one. Is that a picture of total depravity? All right. Is that a picture total depravity? Huh? Is that a picture total depravity?? That ain't me. Or is that a picture total depravity? Okay? Is that a picture total depravity? Or is that a picture, if we all stand in front of that, is that a picture of total depravity? Okay. It's easy to sit out here with our fingers, right? you have got five pointing back, four, however your thumb works, pointing back. Total depravity. Total depravity, total inability, that's what we're talking about. Okay? We're talking about... Um, CBC, our statement of faith, we talk about the fallen man, which where we kind of encompass this thought. We believe that it was Adam's willful sin against God that man lost his spiritual life and fell, lost his spiritual life and fell into sin and misery in which we have been born. We believe that being fallen in Adam, our first father, we are by nature, we are by nature children of wrath under condemnation of God. And corrupted in body and soul. Corrupted in body and soul. Prone to evil. Not prone to good, but prone to evil. Liable, because of that, to eternal death. And being dead in our trespasses and sins. Not wounded, not sick. But dead in our trespasses and sins. We are unable to help ourselves and cannot be delivered from this dreadful state except through the unmerited grace of God our Savior. Westminster Confession in dealing with the the depraved man said it like this. Man by his fall into a state of sin hath wholly, completely, totally lost all ability of will to any spiritual good accompanying salvation. So as natural man Being altogether averse or against or away from good and dead in sin is not able by his own strength, his own mind, his own will, his own understanding to convert himself or even to prepare himself thereunto. Scripture says no man seeks after God. Okay? interesting in it what does it mean total depravity does it mean all men are as bad as they can possibly be does it mean or are they all equally bad okay i'm sorry what does it not mean okay here let me let's look at it this way what does it not mean it does not mean men are as bad all men are as bad as they can possibly be okay it does not mean all men are equally bad, right? It does not mean that men are not capable of morally good actions, right? We build hospitals, right? Right? Unbelievers stop by the side of the road and help people, right? Non-Christians adopt children and bring them into loving homes. Okay, so total depravity is not talking about within the realm of the earth, be able to do good things. Okay? This does not mean everyone's little brother is secretly an axe murderer. Okay? What it does mean is this. Men are dead in sin. The doctrine speaks of man's moral character. Every aspect of man's character or being is touched by sin. Man is incapable of any action meriting salvation. Salvation. From birth, men are inclined, inclined against God. Men delight in sin. Right? The light came to the world, but men hated the light and they loved the darkness. Right? Not every action... Of unregenerate man is sinful in and of itself okay but romans three twenty three stands right romans three twenty three says this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God okay and quite frankly that first sentence we're going to look at that first sentence but I said not all not every action is a sin from From the world's perspective, but I think we'll see that that the issue is every action. There is a problem with every action of fallen man. Okay? Does not mean all men are as bad as they can possibly be, does not mean they didn't sin. It's sinful in its effect. Man is in need of God's grace. Man is not able to turn to God on his own. This is the summary of the Armenian position. Okay? All men are so sick. Notice that word. Sick. Okay? What, is, what, what, what does the statement of faith say? Are they, what, what, what are you saying? We say we are dead. Okay? Men are so sick... That they must have God's grace shown to them to be able to see their need. Okay, I don't want to put a straw man up to the position. All right, it, it takes God's grace. God's grace must come and nudge the person. Okay, the Armenian says. Therefore, God in grace calls all men equally. He equally, and some of this we're going to have to unpeel as we go through through our uh, the rest of the, the classes, but. He equally enables enables every sinner to repent. Enables, okay. Think these words doesn't make a lot. Man must then, in freedom, exercise faith in Christ. Man's freedom is not affected so that he is unable to choose good over evil. Spiritually, man is able, has the ability to exercise his free will. Given God's grace to nudge him that way. Okay? Try not make the position worse than it is. Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, I'm going to ask it. Why, why doesn't that argument then lead to man is spiritually able to do good works? You're saying, why does the Armenian position not say men are spiritually able to do good works? Okay. Not being able to comprehensively speak for all Armenians, my understanding would be as they say is that the first act of goodness is a free will exercise of faith, and after that they're able to exercise morally good and spiritually good works before that before that they would say not that makes that I don't claim to understand the Arminian position. I'm just trying to state it. Oh, one quick yes, sir. This is me reading and trying to put together uh, an understanding because it's like um, I can read different. I can read John Wesley. You can read Jacob Arminius. You can read his followers, and you get different nuances. Okay, I talked about it. some of them say, Some Arminians believe that Scripture doesn't speak to. We don't know whether we lose our salvation or not. Others say yes, man can volitionally turn from God and lose their salvation. Well, they would both hold to the same camp as an example. I'm, that's, I've tried to summarize the position again. I, and the point here is we don't want to really understand I mean what we only want to understand is the truth. And if we understand the truth, then we can filter through everything else, right? Just like counterfeit money, right? How do they teach people to, to identify counterfeit money? You handle the real thing. Time and, time and 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 time again, right? And then they slip them the counterfeit. They don't give them a whole bunch of different types of counterfeit. They just slip them the truth. They give them the real stuff. That's the way they teach people to identify counterfeit. And when they understand the truth, when something that's not right comes, say, oh, that was something's different. That's what we want to do here is what I really want to focus on in our classes. I want to put it up here. We want to talk about it because why we're dealing with these issues, but what we really want to do is understand the truth. And if we understand the truth, then we can sort through, because, because there's myriads of falsehoods, right? Just like there's myriads of problems. But if we camp out on who's God's character, what God is in his character, then we can handle anything that comes our way in him. But if I try to prepare you for each and every individual possibility, I'm going to come up short. Right? Fifty people here, everyone got more than one issue, so we can't deal with all the issues. But we can deal with the truth of God and the truth of God's character and God's work and man of salvation. And that and his spirit will equip us for every good work and every circumstance. Uh, we The remonstrance five points. And I see this issue that probably popped up in a number of them. They said man has his own will to believe, was one of their statements. God provides the impetus, right? He kind of nudges, pushes, right? Divine grace is necessary. We would say the same thing, we would just go a little farther. Now, is it necessary? It is the cause, the effect, the life giving power, and to cooperate in the gospel, okay? He gives us power to cooperate the standard the standard God told his people consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God 1 Peter 15 15 and 16 says but as he who called you is holy so be holy in in all your conducts and this is written you shall be holy for I am holy that's the standard okay Why is man corrupt? Why is man fallen? Right? Our father Adam sinned. We believe that Adam was our representative. And when Adam sinned as our representative of the human race, we fell in Adam. Okay? That goes back to that first discussion of Pelagius. He says, no, no, I I mean, Adam sinned, but we're not held accountable for Adam's sin." we each kind of got our own clean sheet of paper, maybe a, right? That that was plagued. And Augustus said, no. When Adam sinned, in our father Adam, we all sinned. And guys, we want that to be the case. Why? Right? Otherwise, we all have got to have our own righteousness too. What Christianity says in Christ, whereas in one man sinned and all died, well, in Christ, one man was raised alive. One man was made righteous. And in him, we find our righteousness. So we want that federal head. Otherwise, we're going to come up short. We're not going to be righteous by God's sake. Because God's standard is not be as good as you can possibly be. No, God's standard is be holy, and holy is perfect, pure, pure. Think of pure, okay? Think of pure. How we stand now? Romans three twenty-three. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many's in all? All, right. We sin because we're made in God's image, right? We were created in God's image. So when we sin, when we don't act rightly, when we in our heart don't think rightly, we're telling a lie about God because we are His image, okay? That is a heinous thing to lie about God. So by our very existence, we sin, okay? Okay? What makes sin sin? Right? We lie about God. That's what makes sin sin. All right, let's look at. Uh, so, so, what do we mean by totally depraved? Let's look at the scripture and see what it says. Our depravity is total in time. Before the flood, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts was only evil continually. Genesis 6 Before the flood. So, sometime between Adam eating a fruit that he was not supposed to, and the flood, look what it says: every intention of the thoughts of his heart, volition, emotion, every is in all intentions—not just what he does, but what he intends to do—was evil continually. Right? Continually is a—it's—it's it's not dot 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 dot. It's a line continually. That's a pretty heavy condemnation. Our depravity is total in time after the flood, right? After the flood. This is when Noah is off the ark. And he makes a sacrifice to the Lord. Okay? Remember, Noah, three sons, their wives. That's it. God had borne them through the flood in the ark. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, and Noah came and he sacrificed. I mean, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man because now he's pure after the flood. Oh, that's not what it says. I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. That's after the flood. That's, that's the bookends. Before the flood, after the flood. Okay. So until the flood, God came and he gave the law. And even after the law was given in Jeremiah, this is after Israel had the law for hundreds of years as a school teacher and guiding them and directing them. God says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Then also, you can do, then also, can you do good who are accustomed to do evil? Missing my question mark there. Can? What, what's, what's the answer? It's a rhetorical question. Huh? No. I mean, the Ethiopian can't change his skin, right? Black men can't become white. White men can't become black. Leber can't peel spots off. <laughs> Keith, you got a right to make jokes. Uh. You make me black and blue, is that what you're saying? Speaking of the depravity of man, (laughs) I could have put a picture. Anyway, before the flood, after the flood, after the law was given, and the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah also said, and desperately sick, sickened to death. Who can understand it? No one outside of us, even man, we can't understand it. Our depravity is total in time. It's also total in its, its inability or ability to not, right? Romans 3. How, what's our inability? How are we unable or unable? No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. Their mouth is full of curses. Paths are ruin and misery. They don't know peace. They certainly don't feel God. In other words, they're unable to understand. We are unable to seek God. We're unable to turn, a, to turn aside from wickedness. We're unable to do good. We're unable to be truthful through and through, for we deceive in our natural state. We are unable to speak blessings through and through in what we are. We are unable to run in paths of wholeness and joy. We walk in a path of ruin and misery. We're unable to truly walk in peace. Look at the world, right? Case one, exhibit A. And certainly there is no fear of God before their eyes as a whole. All right? Our depravity is total in our ability to turn to God. It's also tollage in our bondage to sin and to Satan. We're slaves to the lie. The lie. He said, the Jews who had believed in him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If the truth will set them free, then they were slaves to the, to the untruth, to the lie. Slave to the devil's will. You are your father's devil. You, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. It's to murder from the beginning. He's the father of lies. And he's speaking to the Pharisees who, who were not following him as a representative of the Jewish people, but of all people, condition of our heart. We're captured. We're captured by sin. We're captured by Satan prayer in 2 Timothy, God says, I pray that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by them to do his will. We find ourselves as men in our natural condition captured by the devil to do his will. And we happily do his will because in our own heart, we are falling against God. Slaves of sin. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Okay, Slave to sin. Interesting to note, we see the word servant or bond servant quite a bit in the Bible. right? We're talking about servants of Christ. Paul says I'm a servant of God. Actually, it's the same word. It doesn't change. We're just, we're just very sensible 20th century or 21st century people. We don't like the word slave. But the Bible says we're either slaves of sin or we're slaves of Jesus Christ. No in between. Okay, Slaves of sin or slaves of Jesus Christ. Or under the devil's power, we know that we are from God. John says we know that we are from God. But, or and also, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Okay. Children of the devil. Am I talking about we're birthed to the devil? No, not not physically birthed, but children have their parents' what characteristics? Right, they have they have their inheritance, even adopted children, so to speak. Right the children of God or children of the devil, slaves to sin or slaves to Christ. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Our depravity is total in that we are in bondage to sin and to Satan. Our depravity is total in our neediness a total need Paul's praying this to believers okay this is after Ephesians he's given the grand picture of salvation the work of God the Father and work of the Son and the Spirit is all to the glory of his grace right our adoption that he purposes to the glory of his grace now Paul comes and he prays and he says this of believers Remembering you in my prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom, that your hearts may be enlightened, that you may understand the hope to which he has called you, that you may understand the riches of the glorious inheritance you have, and, the, and understand the immeasurable greatness of his power according to the working of his great might. My point being here, this is Paul's prayer for believers, that they would understand these things. If Paul's got to pray this for believers who are indwelt by the Spirit of God, how much more lost or needy are those that haven't come to Christ? Okay? It takes the Spirit of God to do this in our life. How much more is it for those that aren't in Christ? The effects of depravity. The effects of depravity. What does sin do to man? What does sin do to man? Let's, let's review. We just, we just talked about it. what does sin do to man? It condemns him. It twists his image. It mars him so that we are a walking and living lie about God. Let's, just, let's keep that first and foremost. Remember, folks, last week was the good news. This is the bad news. Okay? This is the bad news. So in what ways is our condition totally praised? What's the effect of it? All men are sinners. Sin is pervasive. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. Okay, this is talking about the guy said, you know, if they sin, I'm going I'm to take them away into captivity. But he's saying of his own people, for there is no one who does not sin. Sin is pervasive. All men are unable to please God. There is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil. And, and, and madness is in their hearts where they live. After that, they go down to the dead. All men are unable to please God. Why? Because their hearts are full of evil. There's a madness in our hearts. Men are opposed to God at birth and they willingly choose sin. Okay. I think I skipped the thing here. Falls complete. Is complete and, it's, and the fact is it is complete. It didn't take us down part way. This goes back to Genesis again, right? Talked about this. The Lord saw the weakness of man, was great in the earth. Every, every intention the thoughts of his heart was the only evil continually. I mean, that, that's a that is a conclusive statement. That, that is an encompassing statement, isn't it? And what's what's left there? Right? If your intentions, if every intention is evil to begin with, then what's every action? Evil, right? Not just your actions, but your thoughts. And not just the thoughts of your mind, but the thoughts of your heart. And your will, will, right? And not just part of the time, not just when you're angry, but when? Continually. Enter not into judgment, your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. No one living is righteous and he's not saying that before this moment in time that people were righteous and afterwards, but right, no one is righteous. He's speaking about the condition of man. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I would say yes. The question was, does six five apply to Noah also? Because remember, before the flood. And there's two reasons why I would say yes, okay? Number one, when it says Noah was a righteous man, okay? But what it says is this, is that he found favor. The word there is hesedus or grace. He found a faithful love from God. In other words, it it wasn't a righteousness in the sense of like every every intention of his heart, but there was God graced Noah. Now, we're going to see that's what he does to us. He's going to grace us. And the reason, another reason I don't say that is after, immediately after the floods, we looked at Genesis 8. Right after the flood, it, all he got is Noah. So I guess he could ascend on the ark when with all the animals. It's probably pretty. He probably would have been some sinning going on there. For if you're stuck on a year on a boat, cooped up with a bunch of animals and your in-laws, right? <laughs> There's probably some sin that took place. So if he wasn't Could have been outlaws. Hey, he had his sons. I got a son, right? I mean, I yeah. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so afterwards, immediately he put a sacrifice before the Lord, and the Lord sm- smelled the smoothing, soothing aroma. Why do you think he sacrificed to the Lord immediately after coming off the ark? What had he not been able to do for a year? He hadn't been able to sacrifice. Because fire is kind of dangerous aboard a tar-covered ship, <laughs> right? So, in that sense, for a year his sin had not been covered. So, the first thing he did upon exiting the ark was to sacrifice before God in thanksgiving. There's a picture, and it says this: "The Lord smelled the smooth, see, the soothing aroma of that covering of sin." Right? So, yeah, before and after stands that. answer? Enoch, it says Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Elijah went up on a chariot. I'm going to assume that when the Bible says every and all is every and all, and God chooses to show grace to them in that time, it was for the exact same reason he shows grace to us. And We'll talk about that in Romans 9. I mean, that's the reason he had to come and Christ had to die, because otherwise God had to prove his justice then, Because he had overlooked sins in the past, so so there's that sacrifice of Christ just applied backward. Also, we'll see that David was a man after God's own heart. Remember, there there is a. I'm talking about a root our nature, and remember, it's not so much what we do, but it's in our lack. It's not just what we do as sinners, but in our lack of righteousness. Because what's the standard? Be holy. Be pure. We all fall short of that. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's the sin. So what? What? He died. That's right. So what? Why is it important that we have a right view of man's depravity? Why is it important that we understand that Sin is pervasive. So we what? understand how deep in the hole we are and right. all that he's done That's right. That's right. That's right. That's the point. Okay. Why is it important? I think it's also important because it really um, highlights the sovereignty of God. I mean, if Jesus Christ is king and he chooses who comes into the kingdom sovereignly, you don't have any part in mean, that. Right. It gives, it gives the most glory to God. And that's, what, that's right. It gives the most glory to God. We are the most needy. Man's sin is perverse. Men love sin. Men hate light, John 3.19 said, right? They didn't choose darkness. They loved the darkness and they hated the light. Men don't merely choose to do sin. We love it. We revel in it. We are comfortable in our own skins, right? We are comfortable in our own skins, do we take seriously our condition in relationship to God? All right. Now, we're believers, and in Christ, for those who have trusted in Christ for their salvation, the righteous in Christ. But even as believers, even in believers, what's our standard? Righteousness. What what does 1 Corinthians 10.31 say? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, what? Do it all to the glory of God. Okay? That is the standard. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Romans 14 says that everything that we do for it to be good must come from faith. Do everything we do comes does everything we do come from faith? For me no. I would suspect for the rest of the answers no also. Okay. We're created to reflect glory to reflect God's glory, to do all to God's glory. And we don't. We sin. We fall short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's an equal statement. The good actions of unregenerate men are not positively sinful in themselves necessarily, but certainly sinful in their defect. Yeah, we could all be more sinful. But no matter how good, what we do is it's defective because it's not done 100%. For the glory of God. That's our standard. How are you doing? How are you doing? The world's soaked in sin. I heard someone say it's drowning in sin if we look at it this way, right? So we talked about the question I said men can do morally good things, right? Right? But, but in the essence of when what men do is not to his glory, we understand that every action falls short of the glory of God. This, this being we studied last week, the sovereign, he's free, he's a king, the attributes we've not studied, his holiness, and his holiness, he's good, and he's merciful, and he's compassionate, and he's kind, and he has a love that is forever and ever. But also under that holiness we see that he is righteous and out of his righteousness he exercises wrath. But this is the, this is the comparison. Right? Jesus Christ on one end of the continuum. I'll use Adolf Hitler, pick your despot of the world. On the other end of the spectrum, right? That's way I've, I've heard this description. In comparison to Jesus Christ... I may be on the Jesus Christ side, but in comparison, I'm in a bear hug with Adolf Hitler in comparison to the righteousness and the goodness of Jesus Christ. So I am totally opposed to God. Everything we do falls short of God's glory. It's a serious condition. We're opposed to God in our nature, our will, our love, our joy. If that's the case, then we stand in a complete and justful condemnation by God. We justly and rightly get what we deserve because of who we are. Go ahead. Doesn't a lot of this have to do with, with our motives? I mean, you see a lot of quote-unquote good works around And the motives... The heart is... God is, knows our motives. The intentions... Right. In Christ, we're able to do righteous things on his behalf. In Christ. Okay? May not seem fair. Okay? That's what man cries at. It's not fair. How can we be held responsible for what I'm unable to do? This seems inconsistent. But I think we've seen that it's biblical. It's a mystery, okay? How do we feel about ourselves now? We can, we can talk about that. I'll be happy to talk about how we can be held responsible yet completely unable, okay? That's it. But that, that is one of the mysteries we come to, folks. Close our mouth. That is a mystery, but it's, but it's real clear in the Bible. So how do we feel about ourselves right now? Think of yourself. Think of last week versus this week. If we are totally opposed to God and able to respond in any way because of our deadness, then we are totally and completely dependent on His gracious, unmerited favor toward us and we can in no way claim or reason a reason for our salvation. short answer is this said, our total depravity demands the most glory of God and salvation that's why I think it's so important we understand how depraved we are how far short we've fallen of God's standard how unable we are and how holy and righteous and pure God is so today if that's the end of the story quite frankly go take all the anti medication you want okay it's a little tongue-in-cheek but i'm saying go get drunk to oblivion go be depressed or like most that, that's the same thing to do right the insane thing to do is what most of the world does just pretend like it's not true and go on about your life when you hear the truth okay that's the insane thing so if that's if this is the end of the story if this is class over a bad time folks but it's not come back next week. that's right come back next week right come back next week and what we'll see is god in his goodness and his freedom and his inscrutable will how he works salvation in us and electing for himself a people to worship him and enjoy him forever and how his son came on the cross took on the sins of a particular people not to make our sin po- i mean our salvation possible but to redeem us back from the dead and how God doesn't leave us in this condition we find ourselves in a depravity. But how God reaches in and He takes this dead heart, this man that's laying on the bottom of the ocean, and He breathes life into you. All right? So He speaks to Lazarus come forth out of the grave. And Lazarus comes forth in joy to see his beloved friend. All right? And God just doesn't leave us right there, but He gives us the Spirit. And he perseveres and he preserves with his saints through until the end. For the work that he has began, he will see into completion. He will see us through to the end. He will not leave us. That's the story. It doesn't end here. But we need to get here right to understand how great a God we serve. What did Jonah say? Salvation is of the Lord. Our God saves Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for. Thank you for showing us our sin. Thank you for not leaving us just running around thinking we're okay. Thank you for your mercy and giving us your word. Lord, I know there are many. That have not heard this. Lord, what a. Lord, how favored we are to be shown the depth of our wickedness. And not just to leave us there, but to provide your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that this week that we would go and we would think on our position. We would think on who you are. And we would turn and we rejoice. And that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we would do it all to your glory in your Son. And in his name we pray. Amen.